Hey, it's Mike, and this podcast is brought to you by Legion, my line of naturally sweetened and flavored workout supplements. Now, as you probably know, I'm really not a fan of the supplement industry. I've wasted thousands and thousands of dollars over the years on worthless supplements that basically do nothing, and I've always had trouble finding products actually worth buying, and especially as I've gotten more and more educated as to what actually works and what doesn't. And eventually, after complaining a lot, I decided to do something about it and start making my own supplements, the exact supplements I myself have always wanted. A few of the things that make my products unique are, one, they're 100% naturally sweetened and flavored, which I think is good because while artificial sweeteners may not be as harmful as some people claim. There is research that suggests regular consumption of these chemicals may not be good for our health, particularly our gut health. So I like to just play it safe and sweeten everything with stevia and erythritol, which are natural sweeteners that actually have health benefits, not health risks. Two, all ingredients are backed by peer-reviewed scientific research that you can verify for yourself. If you go on our website and you check out any of our product pages, you're going to see that we explain why we've chosen each ingredient, and we cite all supporting evidence in the footnotes so you can go look at the research for yourself and verify that we're doing the right thing. Three, all ingredients are also included at clinically effective dosages, which are the exact dosages used in those studies that prove their effectiveness. This is very important because while a molecule might be proven to, let's say, improve your workout performance, not all dosages are going to improve your workout performance. If you take too little you're not going to see any effects. You have to take the right amounts. And the right amounts are the amounts proven to be effective in scientific research. And four, there are no proprietary blends, which means you know exactly what you're buying when you buy our supplements. All of our formulations are 100% transparent in terms of ingredients and dosages. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to check it out, then go to www.legionathletics.com. That's L-E-G-I-O-N athletics.com. And if you like what you see and you want to buy something, use the coupon code code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you will save 10% on your order. Also, if you like what I have to say in my podcast, then I guarantee you'll like my books. I make my living primarily as a writer, so as long as I can keep selling books, then I can keep writing articles over at Muscle for Life and Legion and recording podcasts and videos like this and all that fun stuff. Now, I have several books, but the place to start is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger if you're a guy and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger if you're a girl. Now, these books, they're basically going to teach you everything you need to know about dieting, training, and supplementation to build muscle, lose fat, and look and feel great without having to give up all the foods you love or live in the gym grinding away at workouts you hate. And you can find my books everywhere. You can buy books online like Amazon, Audible, iBooks, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and so forth. And if you're into audiobooks like me, you can actually get one of my audiobooks for free with a 30-day free trial of Audible. To do that, go to www.muscleforlife.com forward slash audiobooks. That's musclefor.life.com forward slash audiobooks, and you'll see how to do this. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I hope you enjoy it, and let's get to the show. Hey, hey, it's Mike, and welcome to another episode of the Muscle for Life podcast. Sorry that we missed last week. If you listen to my voice, you can probably guess why. Uh, Unfortunately, I was sick, 
And again, this winter has been kind of brutal to uh, me and my family, really. For the last seven weeks, we've kind of been passing around this cold flu plague thing that's been going around. And uh, yeah, it's been really annoying. It's just been this lingering, I got it first, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago and then gave it to my wife and son. And then I got better, but they still had it and re kind of gave it to me a couple weeks later. And it's been very, very annoying, but we're all better now and the cold weather is going away. So uh, maybe I can just chalk it up to my first real winter or something out of Florida, even though this was a pretty mild winter. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, we were having like 60s, 70s and sunny here in Virginia. So that was pretty cool. But anyway, let's get to the point here. So this episode is going to be a little bit different as it's me being interviewed for another podcast called the Business of Coaching Podcast. That podcast is run by a super nice guy named Miles who reached out to me because uh, he wanted to have me on his show. And he heads up a company in the UK that helps mainly life and business coaches get more clients and get better results with those clients and so forth. Now, I want to share this interview with you, despite the fact that it's not about health and fitness. Instead, we talk about a variety of things ranging from business to personal growth and happiness, money, fame, and and more. And I really would like to hear what you think about the discussion. Reason being is I plan on branching out from the health and fitness space and producing more and more content along these lines because, well, I mean, more and more people are asking to hear my thoughts on these things these days. And they're also subjects that I enjoy to read about and speak on. So I think it's going to be a win-win. So much so that I'm actually working on a new book that I don't really have an elevator pitch for just yet. But if I'm kind of going off uh, just shooting from the hip here, it's going to be I guess you could say it's going to be like my playbook, so to speak, for achieving happiness and success and fulfillment in life. What are the things that have really worked best for me? In almost all cases, these are ideas and tools that I've just taken from other people and other things that I've studied and put into practice and found helpful. I know that sounds like every other self-help kind of self-development book out there. But I promise that mine is going to be unique. It's not just going to be another uninspired rehash of the same old shit explained in the same old ways. And if you've read any of these kind of books, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if you just kind of look at the table of contents, it's just a combination of stuff like create a vision and set goals, work hard, develop good habits, don't give up, help others, blah, blah, blah. And it's not that any of those ideas are bad per se. But in the end, it doesn't really matter how insightful the ideas are. It really comes down to implementation. It's what you can do with the information that matters, not how it makes you feel while you're reading it. I mean, what we really want from any of these books is lasting change, right? And that's why I want to produce a book that isn't just insightful or enlightening, but is also practical. It doesn't just give you titillating ideas, but it shows you exactly, you know, step by step how to use them to improve your life. So I'm kind of on a tangent at this point. So I think I'll just shut up and get to the interview where uh, I share a few of the ideas that are in the outline for the book. So again, please do let me know what you think about any of what we talk about in the interview. Really, I really would like to hear your feedback. Just shoot me an email at mike at muscleforlife.com. I get a lot of emails, so it'll probably take a few days at least for me to see yours, but I will see it and you will hear back from me. So with that, let's get to the interview. 
Mike, welcome to the show. The, the best place to start is tell us who is Mike Matthews. Tell us a little bit about your personal and then maybe fitness journey for those that are not familiar with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, thanks first for having me on. I appreciate it. And so I've been in the fitness space for a few years now. Um, I first published a book called Bigger, Leaner, Stronger in 2012. So that was kind of the beginning. At the time, I was in a different line of work, and that was kind of just a nights and weekends project. And the reason why it even kind of came about was I myself had kind of gone through a bit of a transformation, um, which I can talk about briefly in a minute. And I can also, people can, if they want to know more about that, I'll just kind of send it over to my website and they can kind of read the whole thing. Cool. We don't have to go through all the details. But <laughs> had so I went through my own kind of personal transformation with my physique and then was... Um, essentially training just friends and family really I wasn't I didn't even set up a business at that time it was just kind of sharing what I had learned and what had worked for me with people that I knew that had just asked they really you know they saw the change and they're like whoa what do you what are you doing I've always liked to read I've always been a good student and uh, had interest in writing and at the time back in 2011 I guess it was Amazon's KDP platform was getting a lot of media attention because I mean, when I first heard about it was there was a dude named John Locke mm-hmm. and he's still actually writing interesting guy so he built up I think it was an insurance business and then sold it and then did it again in an even bigger and better and sold it again he had built up and sold like two companies and made enough money at that point where he basically was like okay I don't need money anymore so what do I want to do and he just chose to write he chose writing it's something he always wanted to do and so he writes I think they're mainly the books are mainly for women I think they're just kind of like I mean they're fiction they're, they're I think they're just kind of fun stories with you know sex and violence and stuff and whatever he was like the first dude to sell his books for 99 cents or that really that I mean probably not the first to do it but he was the first one to do it in a big way so he was the first guy to sell a million books and one of his things was the first self-published author to sell a million books on Kindle his thing was he sold them for 99 cents because he kind of didn't care if they made money like he was just doing it for fun anyway and he thought like at the time you couldn't I mean now there there's you know, obviously there are cheap books all over Amazon and some of them are okay and some of them are not okay but yeah at the time that was pretty novel that you could read a book that you would enjoy for 99 cents as opposed to like a 50 page piece of shit that was written by English as a second language person in some random hole in the world you know in some random country so so when I heard about that, I was like, huh, I mean, I've always been interested in writing. This might be an opportunity to do something. So that was just kind of like a serendipity, I guess, just a confluence of um, circumstances there where I just like, oh, this could be an interesting opportunity. So kind of a nights and weekends thing. I wrote Bigger, Leaner, Stronger and just kind of laid out. And it's not so much what has, I mean, yes, it's what has worked for me, but it's also just kind of breaking down the, in, in simple layman's terms, the science of diet and training and of course there's a lot more than that you can know that even the book now is uh, you know I've overhauled it since first releasing it and so now it's it's bigger and better now but still it's not uh, everything that you could know obviously um, that could benefit you but I would say it's probably the 20% out of everything that you can know that's going to give you 80% of your results so it's the basics of diet and really how the you know metabolism works and how energy balance works and how macronutrient balance works and the truth about you know nutritional value of your diet and how does that relate to body composition and how does it relate to just general health and performance and so forth and then the training side of things some of the basic variables that you need to understand with training some of the basic fundamentals of muscle growth what really causes muscle growth 
what's the primary driver, how do you stimulate it best, and then it gives you a kind of a prescriptive, here's a routine, do this. So on the diet side, here's how to make a meal plan that's going to work, here are all the pieces, here are some examples, okay, do it yourself, step by step. In the gym, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be doing that. these exercises. I want you to be doing, you know. So essentially the training program is it focuses on heavy compound weightlifting. It's moderate volume. The workouts aren't very long. They're 45 to maybe 75 minutes at most. Most are around an hour. And that's with a fair amount of resting in between sets because we are focusing on gaining strength on key lifts more than getting a pump or just sweating or just moving around a lot. And some people, when they come from the more high-intensity style of exercising where you're always moving and you're rarely resting and you're doing tons of reps, they'll come from that to what I espouse and they'll... I'll get emailed sometimes where people are like skeptical because they feel like they're not doing anything compared to how they were training before, but then, you know, they stick with it and then they're very surprised to see how their body responds Um, and they can get a lot more. If the goal is to get stronger and gain muscle mass and uh, even to get leaner, which obviously is more diet than anything else, heavier weightlifting and focusing on compound exercises is going to do a lot more for you than lighter weightlifting for a billion reps and doing, you know, tons of machines and bodyweight exercises and isolation type work. So um, that's basically what kind of got laid out in the book and uh, it's a little bit of information on supplementation as well. I put it up in 2012 with no, so I didn't have a website, I didn't have a following, it was just, I just put it up on Amazon just to see if anybody would care. Uh, it got maybe like 20 downloads in the first month and I thought that was pretty cool. And then maybe it got 30 or 40 in the next month and um, it kind of started to pick up exponentially because it was getting good word of mouth. People start emailing me because I set up an email address and I was like, if you like the book, you can always email me if you have any questions. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started getting people actually emailing me and saying they really liked it and having questions about how to do this or that. And by the end of the year, it was selling a few thousand copies a month. And um, I had also started on, I think I'd already published one or two other books that also were minimum viable product type approach where they were shorter books, they were simpler. I was just trying some different ideas to see what would resonate. You know, so it was at the end of 2012 when I saw that this is more than just like, I can make this into my thing. You know, this could become my my full-time job. But initially, actually, I didn't really want to be a fitness guru guy. I wanted to take what I had learned with my own books and uh, with, you know, how do you go from just an idea to like a book that sells well? There's a lot that goes into that, obviously. And I wanted to uh, create a a publishing company, actually, and publish other people's stuff. And so I recruited my friend, Jeremy, and we started working on that together. So it was like, I remember talking to Jeremy. I was like, honestly, I don't really like the fitness space. Uh, It's a a lot of bullshit, a lot of scammers. I mean, I like helping people, and I like that element of it. But I wouldn't be willing to do the standard type of approach, which is you have to get networked. You have to you have to get in with people if yeah. you normally, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you want to have a guest article anywhere on any website that has any sort of traction and traffic, you have to either know someone or you have to already be established. So yeah. it's kind of there's, there's that catch 22 there, but it can be hard to get to know people if you're not established. So a lot of that in the beginning. I just wasn't really interested running around trying to suck up to people who I honestly didn't really respect. And now that I'm obviously much more familiar with the industry, I would say that's still true, although there are quite a few people whose work I really do like. More of the evidence-based type people, a lot of them are not necessarily great marketers, so their work is 
kind of obscure in the grand scheme of things. You know, a guy like Lyle McDonald, super smart dude, really knows his shit. Yeah. Um, I had him on my podcast recently. Yeah, my, I wife, really my wife loves that episode, by the way. She loved it. Oh, yeah, great. So, yeah, I mean, Lyle, Lyle's an example of someone who I really respect him for, for the work that he does, but he's not a great marketer, and I don't think he would even take offense if you were listening. I think he would say, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just not his thing. He's more of a science guy, you know, so... I didn't, when I was initially getting into it, I didn't know about Lyle actually at all. I just kind of looked around, like, go to the bookstore and just go see what, what, what do you have available for you in Barnes & Noble if you want to try to, let's say you're, you're someone that wants to get in shape, and the people that get the book deals and that are most out there, you know, in, in the public eye are generally just full of shit. That kind of includes people in the cooking space, like, the, space, what is it, yeah. like, like Rocco Despirito negative yeah. calorie plan, you know, shit like that yeah. where it's just ridiculous. So, so initially I was like, eh, fuck, the, I don't, don't want to do that. Let's do let's, let's create a publishing company. There's an opportunity, still actually is an opportunity, and it's something I'm going to be pursuing. There's an opportunity because traditional publishers have distribution and they have that lockdown, of course. If you want to get into Barnes Noble, you can get in as a, as a self-published author. It's just hard. You have to ha have serious numbers. Like, I, I know I can get into Barnes Noble and get to, into other places. I just haven't, I'm bringing some on this year to kind of help expand everything on the book side of things because I'm not going to do it myself. But if you don't have big numbers that you can show, it's going to be hard to get you know a buyer at Barnes Noble to even care. Cool. So uh, of course you have to go through a traditional publisher. Now traditional publishers, that's what they have. What they don't have is a most cases they're not very good marketers. They're not good at helping refine concept of the book and the hook of the book taking the, that initial rough idea and turning it into something that will really grab people's attention and make them want to buy. They're not good at necessarily, I mean, this is these are generalizations, but they're generally true. Not good at helping with getting to a title that, again, really grabs your attention and really promises strong benefits and evokes curiosity and so forth. Um, and they're not good at writing copy for the book and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, they also don't know shit about internet marketing and there's so much that can be done there. So I, I was saying like, we could do this. We could actually like, uh, I mean, one other thing is this is more true now even than in 2012 or, you know, I guess it'd be 2013 actually is when Jeremy and I were looking at this. The publishing industry is, is very, they want people like I'm actually going to be doing a book deal this year because I want to I actually need the distribution because I'm going to do a New York Times campaign. So the next book I'm going to write, I'm going to make a New York Times bestseller, which I have a, a big enough following to do that. I mean, basically, I, if you if you if you can get 10,000 pre-orders, you're good to go. If you can get five, if you can get 5,000 pre-orders, actually, you're probably going to make it on the list. But it's not just about numbers with the NYT. It's also about who published the book, where is it available. So the safest bet is to just go with the traditional publisher if you want to do that, and I want to do that. But publishing companies are interested in just working with people like me. I have websites that get a couple million visits a month. I have over 300,000 people on my email lists. I've sold close to a million books, self-published over the last, you know, since 2012 and blah, blah, blah. I have a popular podcast. They want home runs or they don't even want to talk and it's becoming yeah. more and more true. So Jeremy and I were looking at that going, we could find people. We know what good content is, uh, especially in the health and fitness space and we could branch out into other stuff. We could get people that otherwise publishers, they don't want to take the time to really put the work into developing. They want just a killer proposal that shows this person has it all. They have the marketing brains for it. They have the following. They can create the content. The publisher just wants to almost be the facilitator. They don't want to take something that is rough 
and really mold it and shape it and do a lot of editorial work and so forth. So um, we were we were going down that road, but then during that couple month period of putting it all in place, getting the website created, putting, you know, just creating our plan and shit. I mean, the book sales kept growing and I kept on getting more emails and more and more people were happy. We looked at it and actually we were like, really, we, we probably should just go with this opportunity. It's a better opportunity, really. So I just kind of was like, all right, well, I guess I'll become the fitness guru guy then. <laughs> and so that was 2013. And then so we launched Muscle for Life and uh, we've changed gears, kind of pivoted to in the other direction here and launched Muscle for Life in March of 2013, and it grew very quickly. It's really kind of a glorified blog, but it's going to get a complete overhaul this year. Um, we're going to be ramping. Well, it's going to get completely redesigned. Um, we're going to be adding a store, new products, new services, cleaning everything up, and then I'm going to be ramping up the content production on it. And we have some big plans for it because um, it's, it's kind of been neglected, honestly, because we've been focusing so much of our marketing bandwidth on Legion, which is my supplement company. And uh, um, so, yeah, so 2013. And, you know, since then, it's just been kind of continuing just nose to the grindstone and continued recruiting people as I needed them and, you know, building out the organization and launching Legion and writing more books and doing stuff, uh, podcast. And I released an app recently. And it, the idea is um, it's not like really what we're building is an ecosystem. So where everything can feed everything else. So book sales feed, supplement sales, supplement sales feed, book sales, yeah. app sales feed. And then, and so as we add more and more things, it, it allows, I mean, there are many, many advantages to that like it's not just good for having multiple streams of income but it's also good because it allows us to our customer acquisition costs are much lower than many of our competitors in each individual space because you know like my supplements one of the USPs of that company is we simply spend a lot more producing our products than most supplement companies. And we spend that money intelligently, meaning that we put it into good formulations. We're not just spending it haphazardly and have expensive products that aren't very good. You know, with most products and services, you get what you pay for. Not entirely true with supplements because you, a lot of supplements are expensive, but they're complete shit just because of uh, the markups really that are needed. In a traditional retail model, you have to sell a supplement for eight to 10 times or eight to 12 times what you paid to create it or what, what, it, what it cost you. You know, that's a lot of things like whatever shirt you're wearing, same thing. It probably cost one tenth or even one fifteenth of what you paid, but you don't care because it's a shirt. You bought it because for whatever reason you bought it, you like the brand, you like the fit, it's a shirt, you don't even give a shit, you just bought it. And it's not being sold like it's going to do anything special for you. It's a shirt, wear it or don't wear it, it doesn't matter. Supplements are very different. One, the hype obviously is is just over the top and most supplements are sold with, you know, they promise all kinds of things they can't deliver and you can't make a good supplement for like you can't make a good pre-workout for five dollars a bottle you, yeah. you can't period i don't care what it is i don't care what you try to do it's going to be crap because you're not going to be able to use ingredients that are actually going to be able to do anything you're not going to be able to use doses that are going to do anything so one of the things with legion is we just spend a lot more like i'll say my green supplement cost me almost twenty dollars a bottle to produce 
we could have done a shittier green supplement and it would have actually be more competitive uh, because green supplements are usually about $20 retail, yeah. meaning meaning that like most companies, like if you're anyone listening, if you're taking a, just a green supplement, just some vegetable and fruit powder type of run of the mill green supplement, it probably costs them a few dollars, maybe four, three dollars to produce. Yeah. I want to do something different though with green supplements and um, that's why mine is very expensive to produce because it has things that you just don't find in other green supplements because they're expensive. Uh, and the margins work because I have a direct consumer business and my green supplement will never be in GNC. The margins aren't there. It would have to be $100 or something. You know what I mean? Even if I'm willing to not take the normal type of margins that supplements want or supplement companies want when they sell to wholesalers or distributors, and even if GNC were willing to take lower margins, which they'd have to, it still would be a $100 product, yeah. maybe $120, $130 product. Um, so, what the one of the reasons why I can do that though is because I have this ecosystem that drives customers to Legion. I mean, of course, we do a lot in terms of advertising and paying to get customers, but we also get a lot of customers that we actually don't pay for. In fact, we make money like on book sales or on app sales or on in other ways. And then that also gets us customers for everything else. So that was kind of the approach from the beginning. It's pretty obvious and straightforward, but it's just a lot of work and you have to go about it the right way. So, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, pretty much kind of the whole story hmm. and in a nutshell, I guess, to where I am now. You know what? That's the primary reason why I wanted to get you on, Mike, because it kind of leads really well into my next question. What I've long since loved about you and, and my perception of you and my perception of some what differentiates really good marketers, experts, whatever they perceive to be called in that space is the ones that go from just doing something because it's enough money for them to achieve their financial obligations versus the ones that seem to make it an ethical obligation for them to help other people get the result they want. You know, like like what you said about Lyle, I also know some really great trainers that are working, it seems to be unintentionally, quite selfishly on their own space, their own needs. It's like, yeah, I've got my financial needs met. I'm cool. I don't need any more clients rather than yeah. the way that I perceive you to be doing it, especially when you talked about. I'll just interject that. I don't, I don't know if that's Lyle's thing. I think there are people like I've spoken to people that tell me just that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if Lyle's one of those guys. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I don't know Lyle. Yeah, so they're definitely not. I'm more so in, in definitely in our space. I know that there's sure, sure. coaches, trainers, consultants, probably some that are listening right now that can look and go, yeah, that's me. When I talk to them about what would success look like to you at the end of 2017, and they talk about like their needs and their goals and what they're going to achieve for them <laughs> rather than rather than the human need of contribution. And you struck a great chord for me when you said about, you know, we recognize that getting a book out, getting a publishing deal, one is bloody hard work, and two, they don't seem to always have your best interest at heart. So we're going to do it ourselves to help other people get their message out. And, you know, and that's, I love that about you. And that, that leads me to my next question, which is, why do you do what you do? Like, what's different for you neurologically that made that shift for you where you went from, maybe you've always been this way, but maybe doing things just for you and your needs to go, and you know what? I'm actually going to do what I say I want to do and I'm actually going to give a shit about people and not just say it so that I can achieve my own little financial goals. Why, so why do you do what you do? Um, it's a good question, you know, and it's sometimes hard because I'm me and I'm in my head looking out and it's just, it's just, 
it's been a part of my personal. I wouldn't say that I've always been a super selfless type of person, but I definitely have always had a maybe a, a sense of, of ethics and some sort of integrity, but where it would probably begin would be in how I was raised. So my parents and my dad in particular is very much like that. I mean, I say, and I say my dad in particular because uh, I saw it in his work. I mean, my mom's like that too, but she raised me and my brother. My dad, he has built up a couple businesses and so he's a successful business person. So I always had that as like a model growing up and he's very much like that. I mean, he's, he has a bigger heart than I do for sure. And that's not a slight against myself. It's just, he's like one of those guys that everybody likes because he's super generous and super nice and really cares about people. And again, like I actually don't know of anyone that actively really dislikes my dad. I mean, some people here and there, whatever, especially his ex-business partner maybe doesn't like him so much, but that, but you know, that guy though, that, that's a whole nother story. That guy's an interesting <laughs> dude. And my, that was my dad sucking, getting him because he was too nice and giving yeah, this guy yeah. so much stuff. But, but anyways, you know, I, I probably kind of internalized a bit of that just growing up and it was never, um, and how I was raised, I guess I wasn't um, maybe raised in the same way that many of other millennials have been raised, which is a whole other discussion, but I think we're seeing a lot of blowback from just terrible parenting. And I was uh, maybe instilled, you know, had certain values of, of hard work and personal responsibility and also just responsibility and general responsibility to others. I'm all for individualism in certain ways and to a certain degree. But I wouldn't say like, you know, I think Ayn Rand took it a bit too far. Uh, I liked parts of what she had to say and Atlas Shrugged, but then other parts, I was like, all right, well, I mean, I disagree with that. I think that we all live together. And so we do have, I mean, it's, I don't think it's, I don't look at responsibility as a burden. You know, I don't look at, I have a responsibility to do these things for other people. And it's such a burden. I look at it as something positive as, uh, I mean, I truly believe that, you know, service to others is in a way it's like a rent that we pay for, for living on the planet. Mm. And I very much disagree with people that only live for themselves and don't want to give back to society and don't want to give to others and just want to take, you know, those are, I guess, kind of just deep seated values or virtues for me. And they're very much kind of tied into the type of person that I want to be. Um, I'm more interested in, in being the type of person that I want to be. And that matters more to me than even the things that I'm doing or the things that I get from what I'm doing, like what I have from it. So what I mean by that is I get satisfaction more from I would say exhibiting the type of person that I want to be and being that person actively and doing the things that like that's, but what I do is more coming from that as opposed to doing things just to have shit, just to be like, Oh, I want a Lamborghini. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to get a Lamborghini. Like those types of ambitions are, I think meaningless and they are more conducive to the corner cutting and the selfishness and just because they're 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 so empty and they actually you know, they they are just inherently meaningless. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's helpful at all. But it, I, haven't, I haven't honestly thought all that much about it. So I'm kind of just trying to reverse engineer. How did I come to that type of approach? You know, I also believe in cliched shit like you should treat other people the way that you want to be treated. And if you do that then, you know, it comes back to you in spades. And again, it's not so much that 
I feel like I do that just so I can get things from people, but that makes me feel good about myself. And again, that matters how I feel about myself and how I feel that I am, how, how I feel about my character and how it's developing matters a lot to me. So that means that in a lot of cases, like I'll do things, of course, that maybe I don't really feel like doing at, at that time. Or if I, if I were just more into like, pleasure than actual satisfaction and fulfillment, then yeah, I would probably live very differently. I wouldn't work as much as I do. I wouldn't, there'd be a lot of things that I wouldn't do. I would do a lot of things that I'm not doing right now. And I would, you know, live in a way that would be a bit more uh, what people would honestly expect because there's a certain level, you reach a certain level of success financially and people expect you to kind of just turn into a prick <laughs> and you know what I mean? And, yeah, and, I know what you mean. and just, and just fucking throw your money around and, and try to show off how cool you are right. and try to make other people envious. And I find that like abhorrent though. I would legitimately hate myself if I became that person. So, you know, again, I don't know if that's helpful, but yeah, it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> makes a lot of makes a lot of sense and my background started out in the fitness industry as well my mom managed a gym a health club for 20 years and I grew up in that environment I was like covering on reception when people came through the door from like the age of 10 and my mom similar to what you said about treating people the way you want to be treated my mom's motto for me growing up was she said miles you know if you treat people that a little bit better than they expect you can't go wrong and i always yeah. remember that on the gym floor and then that ironically led me to niching out and, and now working with some of the gym chains and brands around the uk on uh, retention of members and, and customer experience for those members um and that arguably wouldn't have happened if it hadn't have been for the the upbringing in the gym and and also just some great experiences, some valuable experiences of like meeting people, like showing them around the gym and hearing some of the personal stories. I'm, I'll never forget a quick story. A woman who came into a gym, really closed off, really defensive. Apparently, like, I, I just want to have a quick look round. I've only got 10 minutes. I've got to get back to work. She was on the surface, <laughs> really quite rude. And after um, just asking her some questions to show that I gave a shit, she actually opened up and started to get quite emotional and then actually did started crying. And she said, you know what? I've had three or four tours in the past week in, in gyms and I haven't joined any of them. And in truth, the real reason why I'm here, Miles, is because my husband and I haven't had sex in about four months. And I realized that if I don't do something to improve my physical appearance, I think my marriage is going to be frankly over and that since then was like wow that's like wow. that was a catalyst. Yeah. so if somebody ever asked me why do you do what you do in that industry i'm like it's things like that you know it's things that really just treating totally. people you know had i not treated her that little bit better than they'd expect like her marriage could be over and and there's a positive end to the story because i still know that that gym on a personal level and her and her husband are both still members of that gym and they've been members together now for about 10 years who knows what might have happened had she not had that experience so yeah that's awesome and i you know i get um i get a, a I've gotten quite a few over the years now, uh, quite a few of those types of stories. And those are always my favorite. Like, yeah, it's cool for people to go from out of shape to in shape, but it's coolest when, when there's real context there and to hear just how, how it affects other areas of people's lives. Because, I mean, I think getting into great shape or just getting into good shape and, you know, just getting into the routine of it all is probably one of the easiest things you can do to improve every area of your life. Everything, right. everything gets better if you are exercising regularly, 
if you have a good diet and if you're not overweight. And there's a point, obviously, where there's, there are diminishing returns in that regard. But if you just look at how the average person lives in terms of like sedentary living and overweight and terrible diet, and then if you change all that to active, there's also something to be said for the, the vanity of it too. I mean, there is that matters to all of us how we look. So there are the psychological and the emotional benefits that come with yeah. that that just go, go beyond the physical. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah, love that. Here's a question. So um, I was just having a look back through your website for the purpose of doing the bio the other day, and I, I found it really cool because I was wanting to ask you the question, you know, what's the vision for, for you personally? And, and also, because I know you've got a little one now, what's your you know, vision for you personally in the business over the next 5, 10, maybe 20 years? And I know you, you talked about it and called it your big evil master plan. <laughs> which, which yeah, I, I, mean, I need to update that that's also going to be updated uh, on when, when we do this update because i'm probably like i can't say i mean I've, I've obviously reached a lot more than a million people now but i i can't say that i've actually my work has helped a million individuals it's definitely in the hundreds of thousands now so i'm getting closer to that but yeah that's going to be updated with the new site because i have now lennox who you know he's a little guy in the uh on that page now he's four it's been a couple of years. Wow. I have a girl. I have a daughter on the way. She's going to be here in August. Amazing. So Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, so thanks. Thanks. Yes, yeah, so I'll be updating that. But um, yeah, so to your question, so the big picture, if I, you know, I have to kind of break it down by property, I guess, for Muscle for Life is I want to make it really kind of like the go-to place for not just evidence-based material, but evidence-based material that you can really understand. Um, that's been something that I've really, I think I've improved on actually quite a bit since the beginning and but was still my, really what I was striving to do in the beginning is not show off my intellect or my vocabulary or my, my writing skills per se, but really just explain things clearly and in a way that anyone can understand them and give people practical advice that they can apply. You know, like, for example, someone whose work I, I like in this space is Greg Knuckles, and um, he has his followings growing, and he's doing a great job, but his material is very hard to understand if you don't already have a very good understanding of uh, a lot of different things, including biomechanics, and, and, and he does a tremendous job serving the crowd that he serves, but the general fitness person would never be able to read, like try to read his how to how to deadlift article, for example, or any of his stuff really. And the problem is not that he doesn't do a good job explaining things, but it's it's written at a if you were to put it in like a the Kincaid you know reading or one yeah. of those reading assessment type, it's probably a, a high school college level. That's what it would score. And he uses a lot of jargon. There's gonna be a lot of words that people don't understand, and that you know if you don't understand the words, how are you going to understand the sentences and the paragraphs and so forth? As much as I as I admire what he does and, and how much of an expert he is, I am not trying to necessarily be him. I'm trying to more just kind of serve the people that are, especially, I mean, I really, I really like helping people that they don't necessarily have to be new to the health and fitness space, but they have never really gotten good results because they never really learned the basics. Mm -hmm. And so that that's the, the crowd that I'm looking to serve with. Also, then I would say that's probably like my 80%. That's the crowd I'd like to serve. And then more intermediate and advanced people with, you know, certain articles that I write are just more geared toward those people. And so I don't want to completely neglect people that want necessarily the life cycle to be like, once you know something, you could just move on. But, you know, I'm definitely weighted toward 
bringing in more and more people that can really benefit from a discussion of, you know, like I was saying earlier about energy balance, for example, and how, do, how does calories in, calories out really work? What does it really mean? Just because those, I think, people are, they have the, the greatest potential benefit because if you have someone who's a more intermediate or advanced person, they've already, say of a guy, he's already gained, you know, 35 pounds of muscle. He's already gotten down to 10% body fat. He's strong. He knows what he's doing. It's cool to take a guy like that and show him how to go to the next level, but I guess maybe it's more emotionally satisfying <laughs> to help people go from you know, really not knowing anything and being upside down and hearing and just being lost in all the conflicting information to finally going, oh, wow, this is actually how it works. And you get to that point where then you realize that you're in control of your body composition now. You realize that you're never going to struggle to lose weight again. You're never going to struggle to gain muscle again. You are going to get the body that you want if you just keep on putting in the work and you can maintain it for the rest of your life. That's just kind of like in the beginning, that was kind of my target. Those are the people I wanted to go after, and I still I still feel that way. So I want Muscle for Life to really be a you know a go to kind of resource for the, for them. I have a lot of plans in terms of expansion, ramping up the content more uh, by working with some other writers. Again, going to be adding a store. It needs to be better monetized, really. I mean, it, again, it hasn't been the focus, but we're going to be focusing on that. I'm going to be putting together digital courses, which I could just write more books, and I will continue writing books, but I also want to have some digital courses because I think uh, having some multimedia stuff would be cool. And I have a coaching service that's kind of, I promote it, but I don't push it that hard because it's very high touch kind of personal one-on-one -on -one service that we are, we're like maxed out right now. So we, and we're very picky with the coaches that we work with. So now we're bringing on another coach. She's getting trained up and then I'll be able to take on, it's just growing stepwise as opposed to like the lazy way to do it would to just be give people copy and paste bullshit plans yeah. and you know not really care or whatever. This is very much the opposite of that. So yeah. it's more work, but it's, it's a really good service. Like we have, have some awesome successors, the kind of stuff like you, like what you're talking about earlier, which is really cool. Yeah. So expand that out to, you know, we have about a hundred clients active right now. So that really can scale. I mean, I think by the end of this year, we could have it at a few hundred active and it just scales beyond that. I want to certify coaches uh, because I get a lot of people asking if I could recommend a PT or a coach like wherever they live. Unfortunately, I don't have that. I don't have like even a Rolodex like that. So what I would like to do in, is is start certifying coaches so they can they would go through a whole training thing and then I would funnel I would send them people because I get people asking again like it's every day every other day someone's asking about it I don't even of course I don't promote it I don't even talk about it I don't have anything to offer yeah. and I think there's an opportunity to take the coaching service offline and to do a boutique gym kind of concept where it's a personal coaching only like one of the things that with the coaching service is we pitch it as a 90 day service and that we want you to fire us after 90 days. Like this isn't something that you're supposed to just come on, pay us for the, you know, for the rest of your life. We're not only going to tell you what to do, but we're also going to educate you so you can just do it yourself after. We don't want to create people that are dependent on us to continue in their journeys basically. And we actually ended up offering a continuity service because people were like demanding it, but you know, in the beginning, it was there was none. It was just like, no, 90 days, that's it. Like, 
you're going to pay this amount. This is what we're going to do. And then by the end, you're going to be good to go. But then, you know, we've worked with you know a lot of people by now. Um, it's been a year and we've put a lot of people through it. There are quite a few of them that a few hundred dollars a month, they don't care about the money. They just like the accountability. They like their coach. It's just working. So they want to stick with it. So, but I think it could be taken offline and there's a, a gym concept there where you, it's not a gym where you go to work out. Like if you're not working, you like the people there, they come to get trained and that, you know, we take care of everything in the way that we do with meal plans and we have a whole system in place. So we, that it could be exported offline. I'll probably start doing live events myself uh, next year, probably. And so I, I would say that probably falls under the umbrella of Muscle for Life. Right now, again, like I said earlier, it's kind of a glorified blog. I want to turn it into, I mean, there could be a digital magazine and so forth, almost a publication of sorts. So, oh, I guess it's a bit more like a, a real brand, I guess, a real health and fitness brand, you could say, that is known for specifically education and services, like working with people. So so that's Muscle for Life. Uh, Legion, over the next five to ten years, I think revenue-wise, I think it is very realistic that it could be like our, Jeremy and uh, everyone in the group, like our, our big goal is $100 million a year in revenue, um, which is a big number, but it's big in the sports nutrition space, in the, in the supplement space. Honestly, it's not. Probably it's a decent size supplement company, but in the sports nutrition space, that'd be one of the bigger ones. But I think we can do it. And given the trajectory so far, um, I think it's very realistic. And there's a lot, of course, that a lot of work to do. And we're going to need to catch lucky breaks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's with anything, really. Aside from revenue, I would like it to be like the premier natural science-based supplement line basically. And, and, you know, a lot of people a few years ago when we started Legion, not very many people were talking about clinically effective doses and were taking that contrarian stance of like supplements are on the whole shit. They're not necessary by any means. You don't, you know, supplements don't make great physiques, proper diet and training does. And the right supplements can help you in certain ways. But if you don't want to take supplements or you don't have a budget for it, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. And so, you know, that was that was unusual. That was unique in the beginning. And now you have a lot more companies that are saying the same thing where they can't compete, though, is um, well, I think I have a few kind of competitive advantages. One is that I spend a lot more on their products um, on my products than they do. Depending on the company, they just can't do that. Like if they're in retail, they can't make my products. They can make shittier versions of them, but they can't make them. And then also, like I was saying earlier, I have this ecosystem that's growing and I also have a personal, it's I'm the face of the company. And that also is something that's unique in that I, I think that I resonate better with my potential customers or my, my crowd more so than the face of other brands that I won't name or the faces of other brands. In some cases, the namesakes, the and in other cases, the top tier kind of athlete dudes yeah. that, because even, even in some cases, like, I'll, I'll say, like, take Steve Cook for on. Yeah. Seems like a cool dude. I've never met him. Great physique. Very good looking guy. Has, has, is the whole package in that regard. But I wonder how much beyond that, I, I, I don't know, for, for me, I, I think I just have a, have a different, I, I would attract a different type of person maybe because beyond how he looks, and just his personality he seems like an, an effusive, you know, friendly dude. Um, there's not much else there from what I can see. And 
I'm not saying that to criticize Steve. I'm just kind of trying to view it objectively as a marketer. Obviously, on is massive. They're probably close to a billion dollars a year in revenue at this point. So that's kind of neither here nor there. But uh, so that's kind of the goal with, with Legion. It breaks down into there's a lot of specific things that we want to do in terms of new products. We also are very much about customer experience and not just trying to sell people stuff, but actually help people get into shape and, and that's ultimately the goal. They, when they come to us, they're not buying a protein powder because in most cases, they're not buying a protein powder for random because they heard a protein powder is, is because they like the taste of protein powder or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're buying stuff from us because it's part of an overall journey and that they're going through. I would say probably 100% of our active customers that order from us every month are exercising in one capacity or another and are doing it, you know, because they want to look better, they want to feel better and so forth. So our thing is very much how can we help them do that and then also as a byproduct, sell them supplements. So we're going to be doing just more and more in, in that regard. And we already like have our very good customer service in that like people can write us with any question that they have and we'll give them real help. It's not just going to be Oh yeah, here buy this fat burner. That's what that's what you need to do. In fact, in some cases we may recommend like you know I, I know for a fact actually in many cases that people will ask, hey, should I take this supplement? And we'll say like not really. Like should I take should I take this fat burner while I'm bulking so I can just like you know minimize fat gain? There's plenty of companies who be like yeah 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 definitely you should take all of them you should take everything. We'll tell them no actually it's probably it's a waste of money like it you should buy, kind our, of, kind should of buy our supreme bottled air as well. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you should huff that shit every every time you work out. Every time, every time before you squat. Trust me. You know, that. You know, so. Future. That's a, yeah. That that could work actually. Like we could just say we could just say it's like high oxygen. You know, yeah. cock, it would work. Someone would buy it. Um, so so we go we go we go about things differently. So you know, I also would like Legion to have a reputation as uh, really really as a company of people that really care and a place you can go and actually really get help and have a community of good people, people that uh, again are supportive and are real and are willing to answer questions and help. And we have that growing. We launched a Facebook group recently, and it's yeah, I'm in the quickly. group of the groups. Fantastic. Oh, cool. Yeah, really good. Yeah, exactly. So, like, so you know, I, I want to see a lot more of that kind of stuff in, in addition to to revenue, of course. So, so that's Legion on the book side of things. My initial goal was to sell. My initial big, like, what I felt was a stretch goal was to sell a million books. And I'm, uh, I have to get my final numbers for last year, but I'm pretty much there. If I'm not there yet, I'll be there by probably the end of next quarter. That's kind of done. So, I guess the next stretch goal would be like five million books, to, and to get there just recently started working on a new book, which is going to be, there are a handful of health and fitness books that if I could just clone myself that I would also write concurrently, because I think that they could serve a need um, and there's a gap there and I could do a good job on them. So I probably will end up doing them actually, or at least turn them into digital courses. So I have that content out there for people that want help. But the next book is going to be a lifestyle kind of play. Like I would like to branch out into the self-development, self-help kind of self-transformation space. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't like a lot of the material in the space. I guess, I mean, I almost feel like it's a, it's deja vu from when I got into the health and fitness space where I was like, this space sucks. Like a lot of this content sucks. A lot of these people suck. And I don't mean suck in like, oh, I'm just so better than them. But no, like they're dishonest. They're unethical. I don't like what they're doing. They just take advantage of people. Yeah. So I kind of feel 
similarly about the self-help, self-development, kind of self-transformation space. I honestly I don't think it's as bad. I think it's worse in the in the health and fitness space. But I want to write a book that is going to be uh, I guess a, a kind of a manifesto of sorts for for my tribe because I've built a pretty big following by now and I know just from emailing, I mean, I, I checked the other day, my email inbox has 55,000 emails. I'm not unread, but the, that's the total amount of emails that are in my Gmail. And and so I've spoken with literally tens of thousands of people. I mean, of course, there's that includes all back and forth and stuff. But And so I know that part of the reason why people follow me is, yeah, they, I mean, they like my health and fitness information. They like what I have to say in that regard, but they also... You know, many people like what I have to say about stuff like what we're talking about in this interview, um, whether it's um, more life related or or business related or marketing related. Again, I don't say that because I think I'm so cool. I'm just looking at it again objectively as a marketer and saying, okay, what's working here? If I were breaking down all the individual factors of why do I think I'm achieving success and what is working and, and okay, so if we have like five different things, I'm really strong and, you know, really focusing on three of them and in two of them, I, I think there's opportunity to improve. So I feel like this is an area where there's opportunity to improve. I also just kind of staying in touch with so many people keeps my finger on the pulse, I guess you could say. And I, I get asked you know, for example, regularly, because a lot of people that follow me, they know that I'm, I, I read quite a bit. So I get asked a lot for book recommendations for, again, self-help type stuff, like just being a better, because a lot of people that obviously that are into fitness also are interested in improving their lives in general. Absolutely. Um, it's a certain type of person. It's not, there are a lot of people that, you know, they're not into working out and they never will be there. It's because of an underlying type of personality and they're also not really that interested in improving their life they're kind of just complacent and they have whatever they have and they're doing whatever they're doing and they are however they are they don't really feel uh, a desire to change and that's fine I just don't know how to serve those people so um, the people though that I know that I can serve are the people that have a desire to change that want to change fitness is one, one element of that and then vice versa you have people that just want to improve their lives, like they want to change conditions in their life for the better, and they inevitably find their way into fitness because that's the easiest place to start. Course, um, yeah. If anybody's like, if anyone, anyone, when anyone says or feels like, hey, I wish I had like, I wish I was just like a little bit happier in life, or I wish I just had a little bit better of a life, or if, it, it, start going to the gym. And or even know, just, say, or even just, I sometimes would say it could be even simpler than just, you know, because ha happiness is obviously just a state that's elicited just by. A change in physiology i'm like you could just stand there yeah. i'm like try being in a shitty mood by just doing 10 jumping jacks on the spot like yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah it's true yeah it's true, so, it's true. yeah i, I mean I just, agree with just that. looking at the at the at the neurochemical element of it so that's that's the book that i'm going to be uh working on oh, i mean i am working on that's a book that i would like to have the manuscript done by the end of the year there's gonna be a, a bit of work because i want to want to really put in the time and make sure i do a good job on this because i would like this book to outsell everything that i've produced so far yeah. and i would like it to serve as the platform for other intellectual properties yeah, I think it would just be fun. It's something I'm just personally interested in, and I think I could offer something unique. I think I can, um, my story, uh, I think I've achieved enough, at least outward success that, you know, Legion's an eight-figure business, MFL's a seven-figure business, I've sold over a million books, blah, blah, blah. Like, I have things where I think I can stand on that and say, hey, this is what I've done in the last four to five years, 
and in a sense, here's kind of my playbook. Here are the here are the things that have helped me the most, and here's what I believe in. Uh, and again, kind of going back to, and this is going to be something I want to talk about in the book. What I was talking about earlier, like I very much believe in being the type of person. If if you're starting at just I want to have more money, let's just say a simple thing that a lot of people. Uh, a lot of you know desire to just be more financially successful or have less financial stress, and a lot of people they go straight to just tactics. Okay, so what, like what are the tricks? What are the shortcuts? How do I? And I believe more in starting. Yes, there, of course there are things you have to do, but I believe more in starting with getting real about who is okay. What what is it? What does it mean to really be the type of person that is financially successful? What does their worldview look like? And we can get to what they do, but I would start more with who is that person at their core? Who is their, what does their character really look like? What are their values? What do they think is important? Um, sure, we're going to get to like what you need to do, but I think a lot of the do, again, comes from the be. It comes naturally. Through the course of my life, I've met people that are extremely, if we're just saying financially successful, I know two people right now who are, one guy's worth $800 million, another guy is worth close to $5 billion. And I know people that run very, very big businesses. And again, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying like, I just know these people and I have spent a lot of time with people like that. And in just so many cases, it has struck me that a lot of what they do that is obviously contributing to their success is not something that they force themselves. It's not like it wasn't part of some calculated plan of theirs. It just felt natural to them. They were just like, yeah, of course you do that. Like, what what else would you do? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's because it's intrinsic to them. It's an expression of who they really are. Uh, if you're talking about, again, just financial success, honestly, there are so many elements to it and so many things that you would have to do that it can be very hard to try to keep them all in and it can try you know it, it becomes draining in terms of willpower and it requires a lot of self-discipline and if you don't have the other stuff worked out um, where eventually I, I mean I just don't think it ever really works I think that there's there's something a bit more fundamental that has to happen personally before it's worth even getting into what to now do because in the case of anything, really, if we look at it, I think achieving success, whether it's like in the gym with your body or with a business or in any area of life, a lot of it is kind of like the people that are successful, they do the stuff that people that aren't successful don't like to do. Absolutely. And they, and they do it every day. And it's not that they always even like to do it, but it's that their purpose is strong enough that their desires are subordinate to their purpose. They value satisfaction and fulfillment, which requires delayed gratification. They value that more than I just want to feel good right now. So I'm just kind of rambling about it because I've started to put together an outline for this book. Um, but but that's going to be that's going to be the book that I'm working on. And I, I want it to serve again as like a touchstone for like this is what we're all about. Similar to like for example, you know the Spartan race uh, yep. thing. Yep. So. So that guy, um, Joe, he has a book called Spartan Up. So he has a book called Spartan Fit, which is, I haven't read it, but I guess it's about just like getting fit probably for, for obstacle courses. and Or maybe it's just general fitness, I don't know. And then he has a book called Spartan Up, which I did read because it's relevant to what I'm doing. And that's very much what I'm talking about. Honestly, I didn't really like the book very much, but it's the idea is he's kind of saying 
here's his story. You know, he has, he has achieved a lot of success. He has a family. He seems like a good dude, somebody we can learn something from. It gives a bit of his worldview on things and also kind of says, this is what we, you know, obviously his tribe, he calls them Spartans. And he's saying, this is what we're about. Like, this is what it means to be a Spartan. And yeah, it sounds kind of cheesy and whatever, but that's kind of the idea. You know, Mark Sisson has the primal blueprint. I mean, the paleomythology has been more or less debunked uh, in terms of the pseudoscience of it. But, I mean, it's a fine way to eat. I don't agree with all the saturated fat uh, obsession, but um, and it's probably not good. Well, we know now for a fact it's not good for some people. Some people genetically, it is going to increase. Like if they're if they're eating, you know, 70 grams of saturated fat a day, it's going to increase their risk of heart disease. It is not necessarily healthy at all. But I do like that paleo is a high protein diet. I like that it promotes fruits and vegetables and nuts and so forth. So there, there, you know, it's better. It's much better than the average just standard American diet type of approach. But that book is, you know, that's what that is for Sisson. It's like here's the book that says this is what I'm about. If you're about this, come on over. You're gonna like being here, kind of thing. I think that bigger, leaner, stronger, and thinner, leaner, stronger are kind of like that in their own little niches of, but they're more kind of mechanical. This is how this is how you get into shape. Yeah. Um, so I want to do I want to do something that's a, that's more comprehensive. I want that book alone. I would love like my my big goal on that would be if that book could sell a million copies in the. F- first, let's say two years, first year, maybe, I don't know, I have to see, but, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to achieve a lot of success outside of my following, you know, all the people, sure, I can sell a lot of copies to the people, just kind of tapping into the people that are in my orbit, but I really want this to kind of create a beachhead into a new space that I can expand into. So that's the books, and this is (laughs) stacked, I want, I'm going to, I want to make it like the premier weightlifting app basically or resistance training app i would say it's not ever going to be like just kind of the gen fit hey if you want to just like do some jumping jacks here's a you know here's a jumping jack routine with some videos i want it to be for people that are a bit more like i'm going to make it more uh, newbie friendly going forward it's not newbie friendly at all right now but that was intentional but i want to make it for people that are they're they're into training more so than exercise, meaning that like exercise is you kind of just move your body around, burn calories and fine. It's great. You know, it's exercise. Your body needs exercise, but training is a bit different. Training is more structured. It's goal oriented. You know, it's a different type of crowd. So that app is, uh, you know, I've kind of soft launched it because I wanted to see how this first build would stand up to 10, 15,000 users before I just go apeshit. And, you know, I still think by the end of the year I can get it to 500,000 downloads. So that's what I did. So I emailed basically one time to one tenth of my lists. It's gotten about 14,000 downloads in the last few weeks. There were big bugs that need to be fixed. So I'm glad I did it this way. We're getting through that probably in three weeks, all the, all the bigger problems are going to be ironed out. And then we're going to get to a few weeks of improvements that I need to make before I officially launch it, and then I'm going to officially launch it. But one of the nice things about this app is its best competitors are, in my estimation, good. They're not great, they're good. And it's taken them a few years of development to get to good. Uh, And I don't know why that is, but I I just know that it's an opportunity for me to just jump in and say, okay, I'm going to get to great in six months. So (laughs) 
you know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever. And then we'll, we'll see who wants to keep up. <laughs> um, and I mean, I have advantages for the more from the marketing side of things. Cause I can, again, I'm going to make it like everyone that comes into contact with anything of mine is going to learn about this app. I also, I think I have a financial advantage in that I don't care if I make money from it or not in the immediate, like in the long term. sure. At some point I'll make money, but I'll end up spending a million dollars on development before I, mean, I don't even care. Like I'm not, I've spent 250,000 just to launch it. And I probably have another 500 K in development already like lined up, like guys go fast, do all this stuff. And going forward, I'm just going to always be rolling its money back into it, which I don't know if anybody else directly in its proximity is going to be able to do that. So we'll see. Yeah. So, I mean, that's bad. I guess that's, that's those are, those are the bigger plans. <laughs> There's some really great stuff there and I think really well into the next question, which is, you know, what's been your biggest lesson on building your own brand? And for those that are listening, there's probably a lot of coaches, trainers, consultants that are probably right now hovering probably around the six figure mark or, or and then there's even some startups in there as well that are just kind of getting started out in, in the coaching space. What would be a biggest lesson that you've had on building your brand and something that could be used really as advice for them? Um, so I'd say like probably top of the list is really doing whatever is needed to serve and really, really be helpful. I mean, I still answer emails. Obviously I have some help now, but there are still, cause a lot of questions that I get asked are actually just like, Hey, that's a good question. Go check out this article. Yeah. So I have one of my coaches helps and he jumps in and answers some questions for me, but I still answer emails from people every day. We have a little system in place where like, if he's not sure then I have somebody else that if, if that person's not sure, then it'll come to me kind of thing. And, and then there are also just communications that are directly to me, like people I've been in touch with and they're like, Hey Mike, da, da, da. and then, so it just gets, you know, forwarded to me, you know, up until that has been only in place probably for a year or so for the first couple of years, I, I mean, I got to where I was spending four to five hours a day, just answering emails and social media messages, everything. I would answer everything, every single, anything, any type of communication that anyone sent me on any channel. If it didn't get answered, it's because somehow I didn't see it, but I would go every day and answer everything. And that's something that is, I think, played a huge role in how quickly everything has grown because nobody's willing to do that. And that is something that wows people. Like they didn't, when somebody emails you and they don't even expect a response because I mean, it's even more so now, I guess, because um, I've achieved a bit more altitude, you could say, but even, even in the beginning, when I just said publish the book, I had no name. I had no one knew who I was. They still were surprised that just an author, because I guess probably because I had a book that comes with yeah. a little bit of cachet yeah, that, yeah. that yeah, that, that the author would actually respond with a real response and actually answer questions and tell and tell you, hey, like, let me know if you need anything else. Just email me and not ask. Not, I didn't ask them to buy anything. All I would ask is if they like the book, if they could just leave a review on it. Like, that's it. And of course, they don't, they don't have to do that. I would just ask as a like a PS, basically. So that's hugely important. It doesn't scale, which in many ways, there's a there's a really good article. I think it was by Paul Graham from Y Combinator. And if you just Google Paul Graham, things that don't scale, really, really good article. And I really, really believe in that, that there is a lot of 
value in things that, and this isn't of course everything, but things that don't scale that can be hugely valuable for various reasons. And in this case it was because it created a real personal connection with people. And it's again, something that no one else is really, you know, I, I say no one, but very few people in any sort of position of anything would be willing to do. And I still do that today and that will never change. Like I, yeah, I may need at one point, I may need five people to help you know, sort through everything, but people will always be able to reach me if I'm needed. You know what I mean? So for example, if someone emails and says, hey Mike, how do I lose stubborn fat? I may not actually, I may, that may be me replying to it, or it may be like Roger right now. He doesn't reply as me, he replies to Roger, but Roger might jump in and grab that and be like, hey, I work with Mike, that's a good question, check out this article. So I just have an article, that's the answer. It's like, hey, just read this article, check it out. Uh, but if it's something more specific or something directly to me, then I'm gonna get it. So that's something that will always stay, you know, stay in. I mean, as a funny little anecdote, Charles Darwin personally answered letters. That was what he did every night for I think most of his life, like after he was Charles Darwin, after the origin of the species, you know, I mean, he still did it he, and he just maintained personal connection with people. And I think there's a lot of power in that because I think that, again, people expect you to just like forget about them, basically. Yeah. Like they expect you to use them, exploit them, take their money and just move on. And when you don't do that, that's how you win customers for life. And it's not just about customers, but you win friends or whatever. I mean, a lot of people have just become friends. I've never met them, but but I would still say they're friends because I've spoken so much with them. And so that's very powerful. And it's also divorced from the finances of it. It's, I don't know, it's nice. I mean, it's nice to go and I can say that I, I mean, you know, I get to email with all these different people that again, I would consider friends or at least acquaintances. So I don't know. That's my version of social network. I don't use social networking for anything other than just business. I don't care about it personally. My personal friends in my personal life, I'm you know, I would talk to on the phone or something like that. I just don't, I just don't really care about to use Facebook or Twitter or anything, but you know, that's my version of social networking. So that was hugely important. Again, being willing to do a lot of the work that, that you kind of don't, maybe you don't feel like doing. And this is something I want to talk about in this new book, but it's not just about doing it and forcing yourself to do it, but it's actually changing your paradigm. So you, you feel differently about it. And part of that is probably just, learning to have contempt for your feelings at certain times I think is very valuable. I'm very much not a person, like I don't care very much how I feel about things at all, honestly. And that's not because I have no emotions, um, it's just I don't trust feelings. There's, who knows what lurks in my head, in my subconscious mm -hmm. mind that can, you know what I mean, that can dictate yeah. my feelings. And, and also, feelings are just too malleable. They're yeah. too influenced by culture, by environment, Correct. by who the fuck knows what. So I don't trust them. I trust more my analytical, forward-looking type of mind where I can say, I can say, what would, what would my life ideally look like in five years, in 10 years, and really kind of paint that picture and go, yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be very fulfilling. That'd be very satisfying. I'd be very happy with myself if, if, that, if I could put that in place and, and have that kind of life. And not just with business or, or money, but you know, with my family and with here's the type of circle of friends I'd like to have and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then working it back to, okay, what's it really going to take to get there? What are the specific goals, the measurable goals? Um, what's the timeline and so forth? And so I kind of gravitate toward that and naturally away from feelings 
and immediate gratification, which are on the other side. Just for me personally, again, that's been something that I think has been very helpful because it has helped me do the amount of work that my average work week is probably 70 hours. It's 60 to 70, and sometimes it's a little bit less, sometimes it's a little bit more, but it's been like that since the beginning. In some cases, it's been higher, and but I never feel burned out. Like, I'm just not one of the, I just don't have that. Like, I don't even necessarily feel the need for quote-unquote downtime. I don't need to, like, oh, well, I, was, I worked hard today, so now I can, just, now I've earned four hours of Netflix. Like, I don't even want to do that shit. I don't enjoy it. Mm. Not, I don't think that's because I'm necessarily, like, my brain is just wired differently. I think it's been more conditioning than just some sort of innate thing. Because when I was younger, that wasn't necessarily the case. When I was younger, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, and I knew that I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my, my wife's from Germany. So at the time we were dating, I would go and visit her. She would come and visit me. We would usually flip-flop. But like every probably like, let's say four to eight weeks, I would be over in Europe and I would stay there for a few weeks and I would just travel. We would travel and stay in nice hotels and just, just have fun. And it didn't bother me at all. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm not being productive. I should be doing things because at the time I was like, this is what I'm doing. You know, I was, I was very much like, I didn't have all this other stuff worked out. And I, at the time I was like, whatever, I'm 20. I'm sure I'll work it out at for now, uh, for the next year or so or whatever it was, I'm just going to enjoy myself because I'll probably look back on this and be happy that I did it. So I know what it's like to be on both sides of that coin. And I probably could go back to being that person if I felt I had a, a reason to, it's just, that's just not where I'm at right now. And, you know, I think probably my, my next version of that will probably be something with my kids as they get older, where I, I do want to make sure I'm involved in their life and not just be the dad that made a bunch of money, but was never around and we never saw him. And, you know, I think that fatherhood is important, even from like what I was saying earlier with millennials and parenting and stuff. I've seen people that only had a mom that didn't really have a dad. And yep. I don't think that, I just don't think that's healthy. I don't think that there's like biologically a reason why it takes a man and a woman to produce a child. And I think there's value in the nuclear family. And I think both parents bring different things to parenting and so forth. So that'll probably be my version of that in the future will be working less hours, but I'll be working in another sense. Like I have another purpose. It's not just going to be, I'm going to work less so I can go drive my Lamborghini around. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, 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 so that's been a big part of it. And then I'll, one, one last thing I'll say is self-education is a, I'm huge on that. And I hundred percent believe really honestly, like hundred percent that people that aren't continually educating themselves are not going to live very good lives. I'll just say it that way, I yep. guess. But, and that's, I, you can say that that's by my standards or whatever, but I'm going to say that they're probably not going to um, there's a quote from a guy named Joseph Campbell who was uh, a big fan of his work. He was a comparative mythologist, and he's most well-known for a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, The Hero's Journey, The Monomyth. That's what Star Wars was based on, the original Star Wars movie, like episode four. And so there's a quote from Joseph Campbell where he says basically that he doesn't think that people are so much like looking for the meaning of life, but they're looking for the feeling of truly being alive. They're looking for what can they experience in the physical realm that results in, in true emotional and spiritual satisfaction in a sense and where they can get caught up in the rapture of being alive and the joy of being alive. That really resonates 
with me, and I think that self-education is a huge part in achieving that. And there's no, I mean, that's something I look at even in my own life where I feel like I've done a decent job now of putting something in place where I can say that I really, I do on one level feel alive. I like that feeling of having energy and being in action and enthusiasm and so forth. But honestly, there are people I, I would know <laughs> I know some of these people that would that would step into my shoes for a week and they'd be like, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> like not not you know what I mean? They'd be like, this is the most low energy, boring shit life I've ever seen. And they, they couldn't wait. You know what I mean? Because there are some people that it's not just about being more frenetic and like sleeping two hours a night. But it's about the quality of of their life and the amount of responsibility that they've that they shoulder, which I think also is is hugely tied into just personal growth. I think going even what we were talking about earlier, if you're just living for yourself and you have no responsibility even for yourself, let's say you don't even have responsibility for taking care of your body, you haven't even gotten that far. That's a pretty sad state. But then you have people like. Elon Musk, who look at the amount of responsibility that dude shoulders, yeah. and he loves it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would hope to improve in that regard for the rest of my life. I would hope that five years from now, if I look at myself personally, that there are certain probably principles and values that at the core I would hope wouldn't change, but my understanding of them and maybe my manifestation of them or my embodiment of them I would hope is going to improve and change over time. And also then I just hope that my, you know, if I have more or less the same ideas about everything that I have now five years from now, I, I've failed myself as an individual, I think. And a huge part of that is self-education, I guess more the philosophical angle of it. But then there's also the practical angle if we're talking about building a business. The least common denominator that I've found in just, again, knowing and meeting a lot of very successful people is they're always into educating themselves. They love learning new things. They have a bias toward action, not just like reading ideas, but doing things with ideas. If I were to run down a list of the most successful business people that I know one for one, they're avid readers. They've been like that their entire life. They've built up such a huge repository of information over the course of decades now that they have all their personal experience plus all the accumulated vicarious experience almost that they've gleaned from books and from whatever. I and mean, there's so many different ways you can educate yourself now. It's it's a joke with your phone. You can tap into all the knowledge in the world, basically. Just something I observed to where I was like, okay, I'm going to say that's like a law, basically. So if you want to become very successful in your business, you have to be continually educating yourself. So for me, I like to read, so I'm just biased toward that. But of course, there are podcasts, there are videos, there are digital courses you can do, blah, blah, blah. And I think that there are, it helps in a few different ways. One, it helps you model yourself. It shows, like I really like biographies personally. You get to get down into the muscle bone and connective tissue of who these people really were and how did they live and what did they really think about things? How did they view things? And you're not getting someone else's distillation of a life and someone else's filter on what they thought is important. You kind of can just get like, here's all the raw information and you come to your own conclusions. It also, for me, it helps me hold myself to a high standard where I look at Talking about Elon Musk, I recommend everybody read the Elon Musk uh, biography by Ashley Vance. Short, simple, you know, quick read. It's not your normal thousand-page type of biography. It's more of a pop culture type of book. I mean, I, I like that. I just find it inspiring. And I, and I like some of 
Musk's ideas. Like there's a little anecdote in there early in his career when he was meeting with investors and he was pitching them on trying to raise money for one of his ventures, one of his first things. And he was saying basically that like he told them one part of his pitch, I think it even came down like they were asking why should they invest in him, you know what I mean? And he basically said, because he kind of looks at business like a samurai in that he would rather die than fail. And so that was enough. They're like, yep, like you. Yeah. Uh, and and now the, you see that, dude, you, you read that book and you read what that motherfucker went through. That's Those aren't just words. Yeah. Like, that's who he is. I mean, there was a point in his life that they go over in the book where it looks like everything is fucked. It looks like he's going to have burned through all of his money he made with PayPal. It looks like Tesla's going to go under. They, they haven't even gotten to launch yet. And they're way over budget, way over schedule. Uh, SpaceX is down to its last launch. He has no more money after this launch. If it doesn't work, that's dead. He barely made payroll. Tough, tough times. But people, just for example, people that were interviewed, you know, that worked with him at that time said that they actually didn't know when he went home to even shower because he slept on a beanbag in his office for like four hours a night and he would work. That's all they ever saw him do was working and sleeping on the beanbag. So it was like a joke at the office. Like, dude, I think he legitimately hasn't showered in like a month. Like he doesn't even leave. But, but it was, it was definitely Musk by surname and Musk. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I, like that. I didn't even think of that. Oh, the pun. Musky Musk. Yeah. So, so he, again, not just words. And, and and so you'll pick up things like that and you'll – I just think that the stories that we tell ourselves and the mental models that we have created are super important and they influence us in so many ways subconsciously and we'll turn to them throughout – every day in one way or another, we're going to turn to these stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, about the world around us, about other people. You know, somebody said – I forget who it was, but like – we're not rational beings. We're rationalizing beings. I, I very much agree with that. If we can find excuses to get out of doing the things that we need to do, we're going to take them. And that's very much like a, a resistance kind of war of art, Stephen Pressfield type of thing. But I, I believe in that. So just self-education has helped me tremendously. And it's been something throughout my entire life. Again, I've always enjoyed reading. I was a good student growing up. And you know, I also would say that I think in business, Continually educating yourself improves your business instincts. I think that even, of course, you're not going to remember all of the key takeaways that you had highlighted in a book you read five years ago. But subconsciously, I do believe that we absorb a lot more than, you know, it's not just can we remember word for word or even the basic concept of something that we read. But in the future, when you're faced with a decision, which I think a big part of being a good CEO is the quality and the speed of your decisions. How quickly can you make decisions and how good are those decisions? Um, so when you're faced with decisions every single day, things feel right or they feel wrong. Again, feelings. Where are those feelings coming from? If they're not coming from a place of education and a place of insight and knowledge, where are they coming from? Who the fuck knows? It could be like some shit you saw on Kardashians three years ago. Honestly, not joking. And you don't, you don't remember. You don't remember, but you're just like, I don't know. It just feels right to like yeah. tell this person to go fuck off and yeah. go kill himself. Yeah, I'm going to do that. 
I look at myself as there are so many things I don't know, and I have myself on plenty of bad ideas and bad stories and, and models that I want to root out, and I think it's I'm going to die that way, but I'm going to, I'm going to continue working on it. But if you don't work on it, I really honestly, and again, it sounds kind of bad, but I think if you take a person that doesn't educate themselves and spends most of their time on social media and just like watching reality TV and nonsense, most of their ideas in about life are bad, basically. Like, and it's unfortunate because those are the ideas and those are the models and stories they turn to to guide them in life. Mm-hmm. And most are just fundamentally flawed and are going to lead to unhappiness and pain and suffering and so forth. So, yeah, I'd say those are probably the three biggest things. And again, this is all stuff that I'm going to be talking about in this in this new book. So if anybody, if, if this resonates with any at all for people listening, I'm going to be working on it this year. I want to have manuscript done, and it'll probably get published end of next year. That's most publishers, they want a year at least from the time they receive the manuscript. Uh, I'm also going to be writing some articles and stuff on this to kind of put up trial balloons and see how people respond to the concepts. Uh, I don't want the entire book to just you know be posted on my blog, but I definitely want to see how people respond to some of this stuff. Cool. I'll happily sort of promote that once that's uh, ready to go. Just let me know because um, I think that there'll be a huge benefit, no doubt, to the people that are listening to the interview for them with that. So cool so and that leads me actually to really last question which is firstly i just want to thank you for taking the time to come on and for being so real honest vulnerable transparent i think you've really broken down some of the myths on what it takes to just be a great human being let alone build a great brand and um and i think the two intrinsically go together i love what you've said about doing the inner work and doing the basics really well probably a lot of people that are listening in maybe think that they've got a you know I ran a workshop yesterday very brief story on on podcasting like how to start a podcast because I mm. the podcast a year ago and and you know a big believer in you once you've learned something you know then go and teach it and share that with others it's really totally. interesting the people coming into the group many of them when we wrote I said right tell me what your outcome is that you want to leave at the end of the day because I've got a, a training manual of stuff but that's not the most important thing what's most important to me is that you leave with the outcome that you've come with it was amazing how many people came with all these technical things that they, you know, about the editing and everything, when in actual fact, the, when we chunked down to it, the, it was the purpose, the real reason mm. why they wanted to create it, that they yeah. knew deep down was what was going to keep them going. And, and I think you've highlighted some really good examples today on, you know, the, it's great to learn all the technical complicated stuff, but and this is what I've learned just from your books is, you know, the repetition's the mother of skill, doing the basics really well in any area of life in business in health in a relationship doing the basics really well and treating people as better than they would expect or as good at least as they would expect will go so far and above and just doing the inner work will go so far above any clever shortcut that people think that they can grab at that's going to get them what they want faster and then you know it may get them what they want it may get them what they want faster but that happiness isn't going to be there because happiness comes from the sense of contributing and making a real difference and really giving a shit. I think. You yeah. And that's, that. and that's the cliche of like money doesn't buy happiness. I would say having money is more of an absence of a negative than a positive in my opinion. So it's nice that I don't, I don't have financial problems. Like I don't, you know, I know I can pay my bills and take care of my family and I'm really not into buying stuff. Like I think the only thing that I'm going to, 
be interested in spending money on, so to speak, is collecting things, like just things that I think are cool that have significance to me, especially because I, I, history is a subject I've always liked to read about. So there's just periods of history that I find very interesting and I like to collect things. But that's where that cliche, though, comes, you know, where you have someone where they think like, oh, how amazing would it be to just to make a million dollars a year and have that Ferrari and, and fuck, have like five Rolexes and have all these people that are going to look at me and I'm going to be so sick. And then, you know, some people have a strong enough drive and they sometimes catch lucky breaks or whatever and they get there and then it, they realize like this is really not as cool as it, it was in my head. Or they stay married to it, they turn to Golem. It's like the ring. It's like that, that's, the, that's the metaphor. Honestly, dude, like I think with when it comes to attention being you know interesting trying to get attention from people is again this is something i'll probably talk about in this book but i think it's so much more important to be interested in the world interested in people than it is to try to get attention absolutely um, and and that manifests in different ways it's look at me look at my f- cool tattoos look at my cool this cool that look at my money look at the look at my cool words that i say like everybody else and i listen to look at the cool music i listen to and yeah that's fine i mean i guess you can get it but the further you go down that road i think the worse you get as a human you know with fame the the moment when you start desiring fame that's when you're fucked if you can deal with fame if you don't care and you actually don't want it but when you start wanting it then you're fucked i saw a study it was either a poll, like a Pew Research kind of thing, or it was a study that, that so they asked X thousand teenagers aged, I don't know, 13 to 17, what they want to be like when they grow up. And it was, I want to be famous. That's terrible. <laughs> like again, terrible parenting, terrible. That's the worst possible goal. Honestly, I think, actually, I think being rich is a better goal than being famous. Yeah. It's, it's still, being rich is still a shitty goal. But being famous is probably the worst. It's short of psychopathy, short of I want to murder uh, five hundred thousand people or something. I want to be. I want to. I want to become a, a dictator. So you know, just just interject there. Yeah, I think it's uh, the money is never, and the things are never as satisfying as you think when you're getting into it. If you don't find that, if you don't find really where the fulfillment is, then that's I think you it can lead you down a dark path. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say that the, you know, I'm forever, forever banging on about the Tony Robbins human needs model. You know, the people that go for significance, especially mm-hmm. external significance, and don't go consciously and not aware of the importance of contribution will never, will just never be happy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I had a great conversation a couple of weeks ago with a coach called Rich Litvin, and we were talking about significance and, you know, that it is a need that we all have and like, how do we fulfill it? And we were talking about, you know, I said something I do. I've been doing, you know, some real deep inner work of the past year with my coaches every morning, do the obvious thing to you or I, which is like journaling what I'm grateful for. But something else I've been doing is writing down what I'm proud of your character development and how you take great pride in that kind of writing down. What am I proud of? And not just not external achievements, but internal achievements, yeah. character developments. Like where am I now? I did a video the other day, you know, like people talk about their goals and where they want to be. And, I, and I'll, I'll say, you know, this time last year, you know, are you closer to your goals than last year? And also have you taken the time to look at like what you've created in the past year, both internally yeah. in your character and also in that makes a difference to other people. And, and a lot of people yeah. go, Oh no, I'm so busy 
working on the next thing i haven't done that and i'm like spoke to a guy the other day who's in the uk is a very well-known kind of fitness model type uh, we were having a conversation he was saying oh, i never stopped to think about what i'm proud of that in itself to me that's now like calories in calories out it's it's so common sense but not common practice i think yeah yeah no i like that actually I like because i i also do use the five minute journal yeah, I like the addition of proud because yeah. it does give you a bit of insight into like where you're at, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, Mike, it's been a, a real pleasure. I won't keep you any longer. Um, tell me, what's the best way that people can connect with you and stay in touch with you moving forward? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Muscle for Life is kind of like the epicenter, I guess, of all of my stuff. So if you just go to musclefor.life.com, right, again, it's getting a whole overhaul uh, a little bit later this year. We're wrapping up some work on Legion's, kind of doing a refresh of the Legion website, and then we're going to be doing a stem to stern on Muscle for Life. But that, that's where people can find me and contact me. And, you know, I have hundreds of articles that I've written uh, on all kinds of things, so they might like that as well. And, um, yeah, links to all my social media and so forth. That's, that's the simplest way to check out my world awesome mike well listen it's been a, a real pleasure thank you so much for for sharing your views on some some really incredible things today it's been a wonderful conversation thanks so much for for joining us today yeah absolutely thanks a lot for having thanks, me. thanks mike thank you take care hey it's mike again hope you like the podcast if you did uh, go ahead and subscribe i put out new episodes every week or two um, where i talk about all kinds of things related to health and fitness and general wellness also, head over to my website at www.muscleforlife.com where you'll find not only past episodes of the podcast, but you'll also find uh, a bunch of different articles that I've written. Um, I release a new one almost every day, actually. I release kind of like four to six new articles a week. Um, and you can also find my books and everything else that I'm involved in over at muscleforlife.com. All right. Thanks again. Bye.